cartoons, the animated frontier. These are the voyages of the Cellcast podcast. It's continuing mission to explore strange new cartoons, to seek out new animation styles and new creative storytelling methods, to boldly go where so few ever go again. Welcome to another episode of The Cellcast. Joining me today is a man who's got a rivalry with a certain German uh, dogfighting acrobat. What is the word I'm looking for? Aviator. Yeah. Aviator. Uh, Jacob, how have you been? How have your fights against the Red Baron gone? Oh, apparently not good. My plane got shot down into a billion doghouse pieces. Shame. <laughs> it Shame. happens. It happens. Why, thank you, Lemeters, a co host, a man who has attempted over and over and over again to kick a football. Welcome, Drew. Lies. Lies and slander. <laughs> I have never kicked an oblong, misshapen ball down a cow pasture. That's not what Lucy said. Lucy lies. <laughs> this should be well known by now. Besides, who in our group is Lucy? I don't know. I don't think anyone from our group is Lucy. <laughs> anyway. How are you doing, Jake? Uh, I'm doing well. It's, it was kind of a stressful day at work. Uh, they've got me. They've got my sh- schedule shifted so vastly different from a from its traditional that it's like okay, I get to sleep in this day, and then I get to get really early this day, and then I get to sleep in this day. I mean, like, it's just paradoxically different. But overall, it's pretty good. Uh, came back from the retreat, in which we'll talk about it in depth uh, in a few minutes. Uh, yeah, doing pretty good. How about you? doing good okay sorry i was typing uh, um yeah i had a good time of that retreat with you as well mm-hmm. uh uh leading up to that was a very busy week yeah agree as it always is right before a holiday or agree a day off when they realize oh yeah you're not going to be here you're the only one who can do this stuff quick do it all right now <laughs> pretty much pretty okay. much pretty much yeah kind of kind of leading. i was i was debating whether or not i would actually answer the phone if they called me on friday <laughs> Uh, so kind of leading off of that. So regarding the, we went on a singles, re- singles retreat with our church where our church group and my car decided to act up. I think it was on Wednesday, like mm-hmm. Wednesday night. So I'm supposed to leave Friday, supposed to leave Friday. So I go down to my, my, my local mechanic and he says, Oh yeah, got it fixed. Go to the, go to my work, have someone check my taillights. It didn't work. Right. So, and at the same time, I'm I'm dog sitting that entire week, mm-hmm. that entire week. So, and then I take my car back down to my mechanic, and he says it won't be done until Friday. So at this point, I am panicking. Understandably. So this is my only mode of transportation. I do not want to pay the six hundred dollars to do a rental, and plus on top of uh, monthly apartment uh, payment. No, absolutely not. Especially since it came up last week. Yes, it did. So, uh, so thank you know by the grace of God, uh, Mister Horn was able to fix it. Uh, it only cost me like you know less than two hundred bucks to get it fixed. wasn't bad. I, I had I had the the money in pocket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I got that done. Thank the Lord. And so I was able to meet you guys down at the retreat where mm-hmm. we were in the Dallas area. 
for the weekend and just had a blast and a half and a lot of conviction, a yes. lot of conviction that, that weekend. So, uh, in that regards, it has been a very interesting weekend and week. Okay. All right. Why don't you uh, go ahead and tell us what you've been watching? All right. So outside of what we watched at the retreat, that is true. So we watch, I'll just go ahead and jump on this real quick. We watched the parent trap, which you came in during the middle of. Yes. The original parent, the trap. original parent trap. And you left before they started Christopher Robin. And then we watched Cruella. Really? Yes. Oh, wow. I was already tired. So my, fair my, enough. You my may defense, not have survived. I, may offense be like, I, I just, I just driven there. So, yes. so yeah, you would, you would have slept through the uh, puppy skinning. Oh, don't tell me. There's not actually puppy skinning. Ow, ow, thank you, visual person here. Ow. Ow, 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 ow. (laughs) Either way. Though there is murder. Murder most foul. (laughs) Of course, of course. Um, So what have I been watching? Uh, I followed up. I was watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, 2013, which is on Nickelodeon. I'm watching it through Hulu, and I'm just starting season two. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think I'm like episode three, three or four. If any of you have ever watched Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, 2013, it's really good. Very well written. And it's it's just amazing to watch. And it gets like really deep into the lore and everything. And it's just one of those shows that you love, you know, the you know, nerdy things or you grew up in the 80s with, you know, the original Turtles. It's just it's different, it's modern, but it's just good. It's just so good. So, yeah, that is the only thing I have watched except for a little bit of the original Parent Trap, in which I kept continually comparing. We were the, both doing the, that. Comparing. We were going, oh, yeah, that's obviously a composite shop. Why is it in the middle of the park? Yeah, exactly. And it made sense. <laughs> Why is it a blue screen? <laughs> well, well, not blue screen. It was like, um, oh, what do you call it? Back? Rear projection. Back, rear projection. Thank yeah, you. It's rear projection. It made sense in when they were in the car shop because that was a standard technique back then because that was far cheaper than loading up a car with a camera and then you'd have to re-record the audio anyway. Yeah. But when they're just walking through a park... <laughs> and it's not even tracking correctly. And the shadows aren't even matching No, they're anything. not. They're tra- Kudos for trying with the shadows. You missed. Yeah, uh, from the 1970s? I guess. I don't remember when it came out. But anyway. Yeah, just... Like watching that film and understanding where its its remake came from, it gives you a little more. It's like okay, understanding of where you know where it started, and plus, poor Haley Mills, she tried, <laughs> she tried to do an American mm-hmm. accent, and just couldn't. Keep talking. Ah, so either way, I mean, like yeah, that was that was a fun movie to watch, and then I'm watching uh, TMNT 2013 on Hulu, and that's a lot of fun, right? Uh, other than that, that is all I have been watching, quite literally, because I've been so busy. I've, I've, there, there's points where I really miss the getting off and able to watch a movie, go to church on Wednesday nights, and just go home and relax, watch a movie, maybe watch something I haven't watched before, and just have fun instead of I get home at 7 or 6 in the afternoon and dead exhausted. And hopefully and prayerfully that the people who are currently uh, sick with COVID get well. And if you if you are the one people who are inclined to pray about things going on, there are a lot of people who are sick with COVID and uh, a lot of people have died because of COVID. 
So definitely keep those people in your prayers. Uh, actually, a, cl- a uh, Sunday school class mm-hmm. uh, uh, couple who actually don't know if they have COVID. Their daughter has COVID. So they are in isolation or uh, quarantine. Quarantine. Quarantine for the time being. And uh, yeah, that's just to make things fun. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm pretty sure if you're, if you're a married couple, it, either A, it shows all the flaws in your marriage, or B, it strengthens your marriage. Because mm-hmm. I've seen both. Right. Either way. Uh, so yeah, if you are inclined, if you if you are inclined to pray for those, please pray for those that are uh, suffering from COVID and the par- uh, loved ones who have lost uh, loved ones to COVID. Mm-hmm. That's all I got. Okay. Well, what I've been watching. All right. Since you never actually introduced part. No, I didn't. What are you watching? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that's funny. Anyway, uh, outside of those things that we watched there at the retreat, mm-hmm. uh, I started a newer anime. I New- think it technically came out in er? the spring. Yeah. It's new for me, but technically it's not brand new. Okay. It's it, it like 12 episodes out oh, okay. already. And it's an anime a friend of ours has told me he didn't like, and I think he's nuts. Okay. Now that I've watched five episodes of it. <laughs> But maybe it's just because I like the more slice of life style isekai anime. That makes, that that makes sense. I've been killing slimes for 300 years and maxed out my level. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's about a, a girl named Azusa Aizawa who pretty much worked herself to death. Literally. Oh, okay. And she got reborn in another world as an immortal spellcaster. Which is the word they use, but she's not very witchy in my opinion. Oh, okay. But yeah, I've been watching, I watched uh, like six episodes of that. It is not your typical isekai. Okay. Which for those who don't know what isekai is, that is one of those things where a character goes to another world and they seem perfectly suited for it and they have a better life there than they had on Earth. There's a lot of them out right now. Yeah. That's why they got their whole whole genre to themselves. Yeah. Thank you, Sword Art Online. (laughs) Uh, Josh, I am watching the dub because I am a lazy good for nothing slob. No, I'm not a slob. I, well, I am a slob, but not in that sense. <laughs> um, and I'm not lazy or good for nothing. It's just I prefer dub. I'm sorry. If I can watch a dub, I'm going to watch a dub. Agreed. It's just who I am. Anyway, <laughs> moving right along. Um, <laughs> other things I've been watching, uh, my normal YouTube channel stuff that I do from time to time, watch from time to time. Nothing interesting there. Uh, game-wise, I picked up Sonic Colors Ultimate. I have not started it yet. On what platform? On Xbox Series X. Okay. I probably will start that this Saturday evening on Sonic Saturdays. All right. So, yeah, keep an eye out for that. Uh, anyway, uh, I think that's about all I've got. All what right. have we got in the news? What we got in the news? Not a whole lot. All right. So, the same studio that was behind... Uh, Disney's uh, live action features of Mayor Popper Returns and the Pirates of the Caribbean on Strange Tides, which are two films I have not seen yet. Cinecite. Uh, I've watched both. Yeah. Cinecite has been award, uh, has been awarded the CGI work, animation work for the high anticipated series. I'm going to butcher this name. Aikua. I have no idea. Iwahu? Wahoo! I have not heard I, of this. Me either. It's it's a new series coming out on Disney Plus. 
I don't doubt you. I'm just or googling right quick. Yeah, it's uh, apparently it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be the new animation. It's gonna be a new no. It's gonna be a new movie that's coming out with Disney Plus. And apparently, I Cinema uh, uh, Cinesite has been uh, asked to do the CGI in the film. So that was the biggest thing on animation I could find. <laughs> okay, it's it's an African word. Yeah, you know. I, I would prefer if these places, when they do have a weird a word that's not you know very Englishy, for those of us who don't really speak other languages, they would at least put the little thing down there where so you can say, "Oh, this is how the word's supposed to be pronounced," instead yeah. of just three consonants and two vowels with no idea as to how they're how they work with each other. Yeah, because I don't know what all the little tick marks mean. I'm sorry, but Iwahu. As my best I'm guess, I'm not sure. That's that's your best guess, and we apologize. If we, you know, yeah, I apologize. I do apologize if I get it wrong. I literally do not know. Yeah, but either it's way, apparently a Yoruba word, which also tells me nothing, but it roughly translates to the future. The future. Okay, that makes sense for the image they use. Indeed. But either way, apparently that's going to be one of Disney's new projects coming out, and apparently they got this, this company to do the CG work for it. That's well, the something only- like that. You would need it because that thing kept describing it as a Wakanda-like world. Yeah. Not just because of the African-American influence, but be the, the futuristic setting. Yeah, agreed. So that would be interesting. Yeah. Perhaps. That's all the news? That is all I got in the news. Okay, well then why don't we go ahead and jump into our spoiler-free section of our review of the Peanuts movie. Did you ever read the Peanuts comic strip? Uh, if I did, when I was a kid, I probably just looked at the pictures. I was the kid and it's like, ooh, something's Fair wrong. enough. Can, I, you, you are more of the artist, not the story reader yeah exactly at that time yeah exactly so yeah uh, i i know that was one of the comic strips i read as a child yeah. along with of course garfield and my personal favorite of all time calvin and Hobbes. Mm-hmm. so i read a lot of the later uh peanuts comic strips where, where it was more of the saccharine and not uh peanuts and not the uh more uh, sarcastic peanuts mm-hmm. than the early ones are. I mean, yep. literally, the first peanuts comic strip is one guy say, "Oh look, there goes Charlie Brown. How I hate him!" Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> that's, wow. That's a quote from the first peanuts comic strip. Wow. Uh, I did not grow up in that era. I grew up during the era after all the peanuts uh, or a good portion of the peanuts specials, never mm. called peanuts when it was on TV, uh, had aired. So I kind of have more of the sweet almost saccharine uh take on it as my thought and of course let's face it like all kids our age at that time i was reading it for snoopy of course because he's snoopy of course but um after when i got older i have gone back and reread certain parts of peanuts in its collected form yeah um so i at least was understood uh i I had a good basis for what was going on when i First watched this movie when it came out back in, was it 2015? Something like that. Yeah. I saw it in a movie theater. Yeah, it would have had to have been 2015 because I had already moved up here to Jacksonville. Um, But I I watched it at a movie theater. I remember enjoying it. I remember having a thought about a certain character character in the movie that i will talk about later on okay (laughs) not to spoil a thing but when i recognized this character was in there and in their first couple seconds already kind of deviated from how the character was handled in the comic strip uh yeah (laughs) all right we'll get to that all right um but yeah uh 
I, I remember enjoying the movie. Yeah. Uh, and I enjoyed it this time. It was fun, especially fun to watch it in the group we watched it with because we did watch it on retreat mm-hmm. with every, well, almost everyone who had gone with us. They all stayed up and watched it with us, with the exception mm-hmm. of one or two who just couldn't stay awake. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I remember enjoying it both times. And uh, if you're, it is good, for, it is a kid's movie. Literally, very, very much kids. Movie. It's almost all the actors are children, mm-hmm. which is what Charles Schultz wanted in the first place. And it's done very well. Yeah. Uh, highly suggested for if, if you want to watch it, it's, it's a good movie, especially if you got kids, kids mm-hmm. will enjoy it. Yeah. Even if all they're paying attention to is Snoopy fighting the red Baron. Agreed. Which is about <laughs> all I would have at that age. <laughs> but anyway, what are your thoughts? Uh, my spoiler free shot, uh, Thoughts on the Snoopy the the Snoopy movie the <laughs> Peanuts movie now, might as well be okay. Fun fact: I'll get to this later again. But uh, outside of the U.S., they always either had to put the word Charlie Brown or Snoopy depending on how the original specials came out because yeah. they didn't know it by Peanuts outside of uh, the comic strip is Peanuts outside of the U.S. until oh, okay, okay. In my defense, uh, I never knew it as you know peanuts all i knew it as charlie brown because it was charlie brown and the the great pumpkin charlie brown right, and the you, Christmas. Knew it, you knew it from the cartoons specials. yeah I, I knew i knew the pe- you know peanuts from right and so my uh, my understanding of, of like the lore and everything about this movie that goes into this film is just goes zing because i don't know it right it goes straight over my head and uh, so this was the first time watching it at this retreat and just had a blast. And there again, there was a lot of conviction that that weekend, like even watching this movie had a lot of conviction for me. That'll be interesting to find out. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so like uh, I enjoy I enjoyed the film. There's there's little problems here and there with this film, but overall, mm-hmm. it's an amazing film. Is it family friendly? Yes. Is it worth watching? Yes. Uh, either A, you can pick it up visibly or B, if you are a subscriber to disney plus you can watch it there uh other than that be like i enjoyed this movie tremendously uh i'll get into those a little bit later in our likes and dislikes but overall i thoroughly enjoyed this film all righty well in that instance or that case or whatever term i'm trying to use there join us on the other side of the bumpers and we will get to spoiling this thing Don't forget that you can download. Download? Don't forget that you can't. Don't forget that you can listen to us record the podcast live every Tuesday over on our Facebook page, The Cellcast, our uh, Twitch channel, The Cellcast Gaming, and on YouTube at Cellcast. Also, don't forget to join our Patreon if you would like to support us monetarily. At $1, you'll get our everlasting thanks. At at our $5 tier, you can get some artwork from Jacob. And at our $10 tier, you can get bloopers for every every episode we've released that I've remembered to release them for. And you can get commentaries from different movies. So come check us out over there if you would like to support us financially. This podcast is part of the Culture Box Media Network. For more great content like this, please check out the link in the description. There you can find other great shows such as The Untold Podcast, which is a speculative fiction podcast utilizing the genres of sci-fi, fantasy, and horror, among others, in order to engage the culture's imagination from a Christian worldview. Every month, Nathan James Norman produces and narrates a new story presented in a unique and dynamic way. You can check out their podcast at untoldpodcast.com. 
Also, we are a part of Pop Americana, where you can enjoy other shows like Franchise Fatigue. Do you like movies? Of course you do. I bet you even like big movie franchises like Star Wars, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and Indiana Jones. And obviously, since you listen to us, you must like listening to movie reviews. But when... But what if I were to tell you there is a podcast that reviews film series one movie at a time? You'd like that? Well, then go check out the Franchise Fatigue podcast over on your favorite podcast catcher and listen to James and Gabe give an in-depth analysis and review on every movie in your favorite franchise. The following is a spoiler-filled review for the movie The Peanuts Movie. Listener discretion is advised. The Peanuts Movie was directed by Steve Martino who also directed Horton Hears a Who. It was also written by Craig Schultz, who wrote Happiness is a Warm Blanket, Charlie Brown. Brian Schultz, who also wrote, I'm not kidding here, Left for Dead the Movie. Say what? <laughs> Left for Dead the, the movie. movie. Yes. You know, based on the video game Left for Dead. Yeah. Just seems like an odd connection there, doesn't it? Who wrote it again? Brian Schultz, the great, the grandson of Charles Schultz. Uh, Okay, well, at least writing is still in the family. At least. Uh, It was also written by Cornelius Uliano, who wrote something called The Space Race. And, of course, it's based on the comic strip by Charles M. Schultz. Mm -hmm. Getting into the cast. Noah Schnapp played Charlie Brown. He is probably most well-known for playing Will Byers in Stranger Things. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Bill Melendez was both the voice of Snoopy and Woodstock, but this was completely due to archive sound that they had recorded over the many years of the Charlie Brown and Snoopy special. Really? Yes. He also wrote the story adaptation for the 1979 TV movie, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Really? Yes. Awesome. Hadley Bell Miller played Lucy, and in Barbie Dreamtopia, she played the Red Princess and the Blue Princess. Okay, then. Oh, it gets worse. Venus Schulthesis played Peppermint Patty. Okay. And she played a character named Kimbra in Dispatches from Elsewhere. By the way, if you hadn't figured this out yet, almost the entire cast has had no other big roles besides this one. Uh, yeah. Just giving you that little thing. Rebecca Bloom played Marcy, and she was Robin and Sigmund in the Sea Monsters. All right. Francesca Capaldi played the little red-haired girl and Frida. And she is known as, she played uh, Nellie Chambers in something called Crown Lake. Okay. Alex Garfin was the voice of Linus. And in the uh, Superman and Lois t- uh, show currently airing on CW. Okay. He is Jordan Kent. Really? Yeah. Okay. Noah Johnston played Schroeder. And he played young Mike Wazowski in Monsters University. Mike Wazowski. Mm. Anastasia Bredkinia. My apology for me mispronouncing your name. Played another character named Patty, which is a different Patty from Peppermint Patty. Yeah. That was I now know why they had to put Peppermint in front of the other Patty's name. Okay. She played Alex Posse Girl number two in Birthday Crasher. If I remember correctly, this was her only other role. Alrighty. Then. M- Marielle Sheets played Sally, and she was a villager in Kubo and the Two Strings. Really? Madison Shipman played Violet, and she played a character named Flora in Red Ruby. AJ Tessie? Techie? I'm not sure how you say this guy's last name. I'm sorry, AJ. But he played Pigpen, and he played the character of Popular Boy in Mayor of Easttown. Marlik Marmar Walker was the voice of Franklin, 
And uh, in something called Guys with Kids, he played a character named Yoda. I don't think it's the same character, Yoda. Oh, okay. But he was in a bunch of episodes. Uh, William Alexander Wunsch played Shermie, and he played a character named Brave Boy in eighth grade. Trombone Shorty was the voice of Mrs. Othmar and Mrs. Little Red-Haired Girl. All right. And he played a trombonist in a 2018 episode of The Simpsons. All right. Last but not least, Kristen Chenoweth was the voice of Fifi. And in The West Wing, she played Annabeth Schott. Mm. Our Kingdom Hearts connections. Guess. Two? One? No. One. one. Okay. There is one, and it is it is a stretch, I will admit. <laughs> okay. Lauren Post, who is the narrator of the English audio description track. You know, the one that says... Okay, you're going real deep on this yes. one. Wow. She was additional voices in Kingdom Hearts 3. Literally, wow. the only connection I could find. Wow, you went deep on that one. Okay, so just so everyone knows, the way I do that check to find all that, because otherwise, as you can imagine, it would take forever. Agreed. IMDB has a collaboration search. Really? Yes. You can type in whatever you want in two fields for... To, like, for instance, I'll put the Peanuts movie in one in the top one, and I'll put first put Kingdom Hearts HD 1.5 plus 2.5, which are six games, and I'll look and see if there's a connection there. And most of the time, this is where I find the bulk of the connection, since that's most of the games. Yeah. Especially with recurring characters. Sometimes I have to go to Kingdom Hearts HD 2.8 Final Chapter Prologue, and I'll find some more there. And then I'll find some in Kingdom Hearts 3. Sometimes, very rarely, I'll have to go into either the Remind DLC or Melody of Memory to find stuff. This one, I just barely found. And it took me a while to figure out who she played in Peanuts because she was hid. I will tell you what. Wow, that's a that's a deep cut. Just saying. That is a very deep, deep, deep. Indeed. So, what do we got in Info and Stuff? Info and Stuff. All right. So, you can watch this currently on Disney Plus, if you're a subscriber to it, on IMDb. Uh, it has a score of 7.1 out of 10. It was production-wise, it was produced by Blue Sky Studios, which no longer exists, and 20th Century Fox Animation, which I'm pretty sure no longer exists as well, or probably all got merged into... I think uh, it's technically a anime, and it's technically a subgroup of... That's what, I, that's what I presume. All right, so it was distributed originally by 20th Century Fox, which is now owned by uh, the Walt Disney Company. And it's no longer called 20th Yeah, 20th Century Studios. Studios. Although I have to say, I liked Schroeder's rendition of the... Tw- yes, I agree. I was like, oh, that's mm-hmm. that was funny. All right, so it's release date, November 1st, 2015, originally premiered in New York City, and it was released uh, sta- uh, statewide, not statewide, uh, countrywide and the rest of the world on December, November 6th of the same year. Box office, an estimated budget of 99 99- $99 million. Uh, it's opening weekend for the U.S. Mm. $44.6 million. And that was on November 8th. It's U.S. gross was $130.1 million. And it's worldwide gross was $246.2 million. It's home relief. Peanuts was released. Our Peanuts the movie, brought, mind you, was released on all digital platforms on February 12th, 2006, before being released on DVD, Blu-ray, Blu-ray 3D, you know, back then when 3D was a thing. Yes. And 4K yeah. Ultra HD a month later on March 8th of 2016. The film uh, debuted at the top of the home media cell chart 
for the week ending March 13, 2016. The film has become available, like I said before, on Disney Plus beginning on August 7th, 2020, following the Walt Disney Company's acquisition of 20th Century Fox and Lucifer Studio 2019. So that is all I have for info and stuff. All right, getting into the summary. When the little red-haired girl moves into the neighborhood, Charlie Brown becomes infatuated with her. Though worries, his long-running streak of failures will prevent her from noticing him. After Lucy tells him he should try being more confident, Charlie Brown decides to embark upon a series of new activities in hoping of finding one that will get the little red-haired girl to notice him. He participates in the school's talent show, helped by Snoopy and Woodstock. However, he drops his act in order to help his little sister Sally. Attempting to impress the little red-haired girl with his dance skills, Charlie Brown signs up for the school dance and gets Snoopy to teach him all his best moves. At the dance, Charlie Brown attracts praise for his skills, but slips and sets one of his shoes and sets one of his shoes to set off the sprinkler system, causing the dance to be cut short and all the other students to look down up- upon him once again. Charlie Brown has partnered with a little red-haired girl to write a book report. When she is called away for a week to deal with a family illness, Charlie Brown decides to write the report alone on a collegiate-level novel, War and Peace. At the same time, Charlie Brown finds that he is the only student to get a perfect score on a standardized test. His friends and the other students congratulate him, and his popularity begins to climb. However, when he goes to accept a medal at a school assembly, he learns the test papers are accidentally mixed up and it actually belongs to Peppermint Patty. Charlie Brown reveals the mistake and declines the medal, losing all his newfound popularity, and to make matters worse, his book report is destroyed by a Red Baron model plane, and he admits to the little red-haired girl that he has caused them both to fail the assignment. Meanwhile, using a typewriter, Snoopy writes a novel about the World War I flying ace trying to save Fifi from the Red Baron with Woodstock and his friend's help. Using the key events and situations surrounding Charlie Brown as inspiration to develop his story, he acts out his adventure physically, coming across Charlie Brown and the gang several times along the way. Snoopy defeats the Red Baron and rescues Fifi from a Zeppelin. When Lucy finishes reading, she calls it dumb. Snow Snoopy retaliates by licking her. Before leaving school for summer, Charlie Brown is surprised when the little red-haired girl chooses him for a pen pal. Linus convinces Charlie Brown he needs to help tell the little red-haired girl how he feels about her before she leaves for the summer. Racing to her house, he discovers she is about to leave on a bus for summer camp. He tries to chase the bus, but is prevented from reaching it. Just as he is about to give up, Charlie Brown sees a kite fall from the kite-eating tree. The kite becomes entangled around his waist and sails away with him, Amazed to see Charlie Brown flying a kite, his friends follow. Upon reaching the bus, Charlie Brown finally asks the little red-haired girl why she has chosen him in spite of his failures. The little red-haired girl explains she admires his selflessness and his determination, calling him honest, caring, and compassionate. The other children congratulate him as a true friend and carries him. The film ends with Charles Schultz signing his signature on a Peanuts comic strip. In the mid-credits scene, Charlie Brown is about to kick the football from Lucy. She pulls it away from him as usual. Snoopy, Fifi, and his siblings are celebrating the Flying Ace's victory, but the Red Baron flies by, causing Snoopy to shout, CURSE YOU RED BARON! In a post credit scene, the model plane is flying, but then breaks down and falls into a lake. <laughs> Getting into the trivia for oh this episode. Gosh. Yeah. Snoopy's noises and Woodstock's chirpings are taken by Bill Melendez's performances from earlier Peanuts animated productions from 1965 to 2000, including movies, TV series, and TV specials. (laughs) Years later, the same technique was used in Tom and Jerry 2021, where archived feature... uh, 
where, where are featured archive recordings of William Hanna, who did all the original screeches, yells, gasps, shrieks, howls, and screams for Tom and Jerry, heard in the original cartoons from 1942 to 1957. I bring that up because we didn't actually talk, we haven't reviewed Tom and Jerry yet. No, we haven't. But we, but we did re- We did react to it. Yeah, we did. Hmm. <laughs> this is the first full-length Peanuts film since the death of creator Charles M. Schultz in 2000. Hmm. This is also the first theatrical Peanuts movie in 35 years since Bon Voyage, Charlie Brown, and Don't Come Back, 1980. Wow. (laughs) Charles Schultz wanted to call his comic strip Charlie Brown. It even started out as good old Charlie Brown, but the editors were worried about legal action from people who had that name. It started production as Little Folks. But because that was the original title of someone else's strip, his syndicate forced the title Peanuts on him. He hated the title, partly because it made people assume the character's name was Peanut, and didn't use it in any of the specials or movies, which were titled Charlie Brown or Snoopy. This is the first Peanuts feature to carry the title. The script was created in 2006 by Charles M. Schultz's son, Craig Schultz, and grandson, Brian Schultz. The movie was released 50 years after A Charlie Brown Christmas in 1965, the first Peanuts animated special, and 65 years after the first Peanuts comic strip. Charles M. Schultz, inspired by his son's love for World War I airplane models, created the Red Baron as Snoopy's nemesis. A model, Drydecker, is featured prominently throughout the movie. Kristen Chenoweth, who voices Fifi, won a Tony Award for her portrayal of Sally Brown in the 1999 Broadway revival of the musical You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. Really? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Steve Martino was chosen as director because the Schultz family was impressed with his adaptation of the Dr. Seuss book, Horton Hears a Who, in 2008. Hmm. Per Charles M. Schultz's long-desired request, all of the children roles were played by actual children. Charlie Brown's attempt to write a book report on Lev Tolstoy's War and Peace was also a plot point in the 1986 special Happy New Year, Charlie Brown. Unlike this movie, in which Charlie's report is supposedly a well-written analysis, in the special, he received a D-. Also, unlike this movie, where Charlie was right on on it reading and doing the report, in Happy New Year, Charlie Brown, he waited until the 11th hour to do it and didn't finish it until 3 a.m. on the due date. This was also lifted from a comic storyline. War and Peace was chosen because it's actually Charles Schultz's favorite novel. Steve Martino and the animators spent over a year looking at Charles M. Schultz's Peanuts comics to help translate the hand-drawn style of the comic strip to 3D digital animation. On the on the list of test results, the name Violet Gray and Patricia Reichart appear. These are the last names of Violet and Peppermint Patty in the comic strip, though they were only used once, or once and twice in 50 years respectively. This is also Blue Sky Studios' only film to not include a main antagonist. In the promotion of this movie, there were specific reassurances to the property's fans that its score would include compositions of the musician most famous for his music for the property, Vince Guaraldi. Where appropriate, the music can be heard in numerous sections, such as the opening skating pond scene that includes skating and Linus and Lucy. In the comic strip, many of the children are in different classes, and Peppermint Patty and Franklin are students at an entirely different school across town. In this film, some reason, they're all in the same class. I was wondering that. Especially including the younger siblings. Yeah, I was like, what in the world? Fifi's first movie appearance was in Life is a Circus, Charlie Brown, in 1980, but she was never in the comic strip. Wait a minute, the little sister was in the movie. No, but- Fifi. Oh, Fifi. Which one's he? That's Snoopy's girlfriend. Oh, okay. In the, the in the Red Baron story. The Pink Poodle. The Pink Poodle. Yeah. Well, Beagle Poodle. 
speak a little. You know who I mean. Yes. In most countries outside of the U.S. and Canada, this film has the words Charlie Brown and or Snoopy attached to the title. This is primarily because the Peanuts characters in comic strip were virtually unheard of outside of North America until the animated TV specials made made from the mid-1960s onward were picked up and shown in other countries from the late 1960s, early 1970s onward, often coinciding with the arrival of color TV broadcasting in those countries. As the show was frequently put into children's programming slots in those countries, and because of the growing appeal, especially with merchandising, Snoopy became the character who had the most appeal to youngsters. Also, the novelty pop song Snoopy vs. the Red Baron by the U.S. group The Royal Guardsmen was released at the end of 1966 and was a surprise hit in many English-speaking countries, Mm -hmm. helping raise the character's profile and therefore being the most identifiable Peanuts character to young viewers. So when the TV specials started to be broadcast, the U.S. title of the show was often changed to something more immediately appealing to young foreign audiences, such as The Snoopy Show or The Charlie Brown and Snoopy Show. And this tradition has stuck to this day. After Charlie Brown becomes popular, the kids struggle over who gets his attention. Shermie, who has not appeared in the movie up to this point, grabs his arm and says, I saw him first! In the first Peanuts strip printed, Charlie Brown walks by and Shermie is the first character to see him. He's also the character who I quoted earlier saying, How I hate him. Really? Yes! Okay. Various steps were taken from the animation to emulate the original look and feel of the comics and previous animated specials. The characters are animated in a more limited manner, Also, the trees and other foliage in the background are static and never billow or sway in the wind. When Snoopy enters his doghouse to fetch his instructions in order to help Charlie Brown learn to dance, he throws a bunch of stuff out. Amongst those is the painting Starry Night by Vincent Van Gogh. This is a reference to a running gag in the comic strip where Snoopy is mentioned to owning a Van Gogh, though the painting is never seen. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. So Snoopy owns a Van Gogh? Yes, or Mm. Van Gogh. Bingo, bingo. Whatever. The little red-haired girl is number four on the list of students' rankings on the standardized test, and her name is indicated as Heather Wold. Heather was the name given to the little red-haired girl in It's Your First Kiss, Charlie Brown in 1977. Wold was the last name of Charles M. Schultz's real-life red-haired girlfriend, Donna Wold, who turned down his marriage proposal in 1950, the same year the comic strip began, and upon whom the character in Peanuts was based. Wow! However, Wold and Schultz remained friends until Schultz's death in 2000. The moving company is named Mendelssohn and Melendez, after Lee Mendelssohn and Bill Melendez, the longtime executive producers of the animated Peanuts television specials. Melendez also provided the chattering voices of Snoopy and most of the other animal characters in those specials. While the World War I flying ace is struggling to return to his airfield, he is briefly shown sporting a wiry mustache as he is crawling through the desert. This is a reference to Snoopy's brother Spike, who was named after Charles Schultz's childhood dog and appeared infrequently in the comics. Hmm. Spike wore the same mustache and lived in the desert country near Needles, California. The dance moves the kids have are the same ones from A Charlie Brown Christmas in 1965. Okay. With two differences. Schroeder's dance was newly animated since he played the piano in the Christmas special instead of dancing, and Violet and Patty have swapped dance styles from the Christmas special. When Charlie Brown erroneously finds that he got a perfect score, Peppermint Patty's test score of 65 can be seen at the bottom at number 14. This is not only Charlie Brown's actual score on the test, but also alludes to the comic strip's 65th anniversary at that time. Wow. The Beagle Scouts, Snoopy's bird friends, who are all the same species as Woodstock, 
appear in this movie as the pit crew for Snoopy's plane mm -hmm. in the World War I Flying Ace sequences. The birds are named Conrad, Bill, Olivier, and Harriet. In the comics, Harriet is generally portrayed as the toughest, while... Sorry, Oliver. I said Olivier earlier, but I think it's actually supposed to be Oliver. Likely the bird who appeared to mess up constantly in this movie is the dumbest. Snoopy's siblings, Andy, Olaf, Marbles, Spike, and Belle, appear in the mid-credits scene. Two additional siblings, Molly and Rover, were created for the television specials, but not by Charles Schultz, and are omitted from this scene. On the back of the Sparkplug comic book, Little Char uh, Charlie Brown recommends to Patty and Violet, a Little Folks panel can be briefly seen with Patty and Shermie. Little Folks was a single-panel co comic strip drawn by Charles Schultz from 1947 to 1950 and a precursor to the Peanuts strip. Hmm. Lucy mentions real estate when talking to Charlie Brown about the little red-haired girl, okay. a reoccurring topic on her mind in various media throughout mm. the years. Linus's age was modified, so in this movie, he'd be in the same class that Charlie Brown is, and he, he'd have an average student. However, in the source material, Linus is younger than Charlie Brown, and he's way more intelligent than any other character, as he has lots of wise quotes on the comic strips. Mm. The last detail is implied when Linus analyzes Charlie's essay on Tolstoy's War and Peace and notes that it is really what well explained and written, and whenever Linus makes smart remarks on Charlie Brown's emotional breakdowns, ironically enough, Linus gets to the fifth in the list of best degrees of the school's standardized test. Last but not least, when Charlie Brown is on the baseball field, he makes a snowman at the plate and gives it a bat. When he goes to the pitcher's mound, a scoreboard can clearly be seen in the background. Home field only has one number peg under it, because uh, this was back before electronic scoreboards. And there are three pegs under visitor. This references how Charlie Brown's team never wins or scores. So, of course, the number hanging under home during a game would be zero. Which brings me to the end of the trivia. So, Jacob, what is your first like of this film? Oh, my. <laughs> my first like of this would be it retains the classic peanut, like you said before. Mm -hmm. The fact that the create the uh, the producers and the creators of this film took a year, like you said before, took a year to analyze and study Charles Schultz, Charles Schultz uh, style of how he drew peanuts to make an accurate mm -hmm. 3D rendering of this because they could have simply just like, okay, let's just take the model. Let's make it look like Charles Schultz, but let's just make it look new. But they gave it the, the, a modern, a modern, uh, technological advance, but kept it that same art style and flavor and just everything. And I really appreciated that. Yeah. The, the fact that you like definitely with Snoopy, like Snoopy, like he looks, be like, see both his eyes and his head's mm -hmm. at a cocked angle. And I'm like, he looks like he's supposed to look. Yeah. He looks like Snoopy. Yeah. And be like, yeah, with, you know, modern three, you know, 3D animation in this, you know, very, um, very custom style uh, drawing format yeah. is just brilliant. Well, most of the time when you have a 3D animated film, mm -hmm. they have one character model that they move around and whatever angle that character in the camera, that's how they look. That's yeah. supposedly the advantage. This, they went to all the trouble to match any time the character would have faced that way in the comic strip. That's yeah. how he looked. Yeah. So yeah, most of the characters are seen from head on. Every once in a while, you, they when the characters are side face, you know, have a certain way of look. The 
the yelling shots when the group is yelling and they all kind of raise their head yeah. and you can just see their mouth moving. Mm-hmm. That's exactly how it looks in the comic strip. They mm-hmm. went to such a degree, because this is, by the way, my also, they went to such hard work to mimic what is ironically a very cheap animation style. Right. And a multi-million dollar film. Mm-hmm. And it looks gorgeous. Agreed. This is like a precursor to the two, what I call 2.5D, where it's still a 2D film or has 2D elements, but is also a, like we saw with uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and Klaus. Mm-hmm. This is a precursor to that in many yeah, ways. But agreed. this is so closely mimicking those the look yeah. of the cartoons that you can't help but look and go, that is, that is who they are. Exactly what that's supposed to look like. To the point where you never, during the fly, World War One flies, mm-hmm. the bottom of Snoopy's doghouse. Yeah, you never do. He only, he always goes to the edge of the frame, even when it makes no visual sense for it. To, but that's what it does. Mm-hmm. That was I Charles Schroth's style. That's the style. And you can't mess with it and it be still be considered. It's the style of the drawing is just as important as the characters themselves. Agreed. And I love how closely they stay the line mm-hmm. of the original. Agree. So I kind of jumped in on yours. Did you have anything else? In that no, form of you're number good. Just the, the painstaking detail they put into just the character design to make it look like Charles Schultz uh, designs, mm-hmm. it, the character designs for Peanuts. And there again, I'm very much being very precise how I say that because it's Peanuts, not Charlie Brown or Snoopy. Yes. Even um, though Charles Schultz hated the Peanuts. Yes. So... Peanuts, the movie, uh, just uh, they, they are very, they, they honor Charles, Charles Schultz art style in this movie. And it's, it's very much appreciated from an arts, artistic standpoint. That's my, that's your number two. All right. Uh, relating to Charlie's plight. <laughs> so here, here's me. Like I have, we have a very dear Do friend. Do you of have unrequited love from a little red haired girl? <laughs> not, not a redhead. Or the equivalent of a little red haired girl. No, no, no. It's, 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 it's more having to do with. And so here's here's a setup. So uh, a friend of ours, friend of ours for the show, and a dear friend of ours, uh, has told told us in the past where it's like, guys, you're going to be like, you listen to our podcast or watch it, and it's like, guys, you're going great, you're doing great, and then like Jacob, no, you're going to something personal. Don't do something personal. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> thanks, no Chase. This could be but, oh, Chase. Yes, yes Chase. Uh, so here, here I go being very honest because I'm the kind of person, I'm very honest and very you know, open about things. Hush. <laughs> uh, so when it comes to Charlie Brown, cause he, he has this thing about, cause he doesn't think that people like him and he, all he does is make mistakes and you know, he does make mistakes a lot. And, uh, I think it's just Charlie Brown has, he, he views things like extremely negatively about everything. Mm-hmm. If he does something right, he's going to see the negative side of it. But I mean, like, I totally relate to it because when I was a kid, I did the exact same thing. When I was a, uh, a teenager, I did the exact same thing in my adulthood. I've still struggled with that. So with the idea of, yes, he of, actually does. <laughs> yeah. If, if you, if you know me in any kind of level, let's say, yeah, I do. I'm, I'm very hypercritical of myself. And, um, so that's one, something I'm working through. Something I'm praying, praying through. So, um, so in that regard, I can relate to Charlie and the, the fact that there was a, there was a survey out on Facebook or not a survey, but someone posted a, a question. If you were able to go back in time and tell yourself some one thing in four, in four words, 
I literally turned it into a sentence because it was okay. Don't be, don't be too harsh on yourself and people actually like you. And that was honestly one of the things when I was younger, I didn't think people liked me. Right. And, uh, I thought I was stupid and all kinds of stuff because, you know, just learned disorders and what have you and a whole bunch of other stuff. I didn't understand at the time. Um, but now I do understand it. It's like, okay, that makes sense now. Um, but going down to the essence of it, that Charlie Brown is a very beloved character and a very beloved guy in the world of peanuts that the very beginning of the movie starts with everybody lining up in front of Charlie's house and be like, come on, Charlie, because everybody likes Charlie Brown. The only person who doesn't like Charlie Brown is Charlie Brown. And I completely relate to that. <laughs> so there was a, like, like I said earlier, the fact that we like this, uh, the retreat we had was very convicting to me. This movie was very convicting to me in that regard that like you can relate to a, a character you can relate to a character so well that it reflects almost to who be like reflects you as a person. And that was like a gut punch. I was like, Whoa. Okay. So the fact that I, I do know that people do care about me that do love me and, uh, they, they want my best interest. And it's not that be like, cause I see all my flaws. I see all my flaws. We all do. And sometimes you just kind of get, you get in that, that groove of just seeing all your flaws and, Oh, no one cares about me because I'm, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so. You're not. And it's just, it's learning to look past your problems, look past those problems and just, you know, see what people see in you and not what the, what Satan likes to throw in your head. Because right. that kind of going theologically in that, it's just, you know, Satan loves to throw the monkey wrench in your life and just be like, oh, because you screwed up, you made mistakes. No one loves you, which is a complete lie. And it's, it's learning to understand those lies, learn to understand, learn to understand the deception, which the world throws at you and two Satan throws at you. So in that it's, uh, finding your hope, finding your, your, uh, your, your solace in something greater than yourself. And that is Christ alone. And that is something I am, I'm working towards that. I don't look at everything negatively as much. And it's, it's very humbling to to watch a movie that you see yourself as a kid through Charlie Brown. So, yeah, that hit home really hard for me. So my second is be having uh, relating to Charlie Brown's plight. So into understanding that nope, not ever. Nope, not everybody hates you. You are actually loved by people. People care about you and they want you to be around. And so, they definitely don't want you to eat exactly so just be mindful that when you think the world hates you and everybody else doesn't like you because you're just weird naughty you make mistakes realize that not everybody does everybody cares about you you have a lot of people who care about you so just keep that in mind just remind yourself every day that people care about you it's like and our friends over geek devotion say remember uh remember you are loved yeah exactly Oh, that reminds me of a Cutlass song, but I'll get that to later. <laughs> That's okay. an amazing song. But either way, uh, so yeah, Cutlass is a Christian band that I've yes. loved for years. But either way, that is my number two, and I got really open with that one. So yes, <laughs> yes, you are loved, and people love you, and people want you to be around. So don't be so negative on yourself. Be hard on yourself, and just, yeah. That is my number two. What's your number two? Yeah, I went deep on that I one. I know, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. 
All you right. know what I mean. You know what I mean by it's yeah. no big deal. I'm not yeah, saying I, I, said I, it's I, no I big understand. Deal. I I'm understand. saying I took no offense at your thing. Moving on. My number two. Oh, okay. My number two is uh, how the Snoopy versus the Red Baron story mirrors Charlie's. Okay. Yes. Agreed. In Agreed, many yes. ways, it is because Snoopy is taking inspiration from what's happening with Charlie. Well, yeah, because all all Snoopy's is is his imagination. Yes. But at the same time, the way they mirror each other is like, mm-hmm. you know what's... It's almost like the Snoopy versus the Red Baron stuff makes it easier to understand what's actually going through Charlie Brown's mind, despite yeah. the fact Charlie Brown says everything that's on his mind. Mm-hmm. But much like a certain someone I know, <laughs> he overthinks it. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Uh so yeah, Snoopy is man's best friend, as we all well know. True. And in some ways, I, he was writing this, I think, as a way to help explain to himself what Charlie Brown going through. Yeah. And let's face it, the Snoopy versus the Red Baron parts are still some of my favorite parts of the whole movie. Agreed. Uh, mostly because it's the stuff that's the most out there. <laughs> Agreed. Visually, yes. Um. But yeah, I, I liked how they married each other, and I liked how that looked. So yeah, mm. my number two is Snoopy versus the Red Bear and mirroring Charlie versus Little Red Hair. Ah, so kind of paralleling yours the exact way. It's it's all a Snoopy's adventure. Like like everything that Snoopy does is just like oh, okay, what is this goofy? What kind of dog is he? He's a beagle. He's a beagle. He doesn't. He looks like a beagle, kind of. He looks more like a beagle in his original design. Okay. Than the design you're most well known for. Oh, okay. So he's a beagle. He is a beagle. So it's, you know, the Snoopy's adventure, like anything he does, if it's like grabbing, like finding this typewriter and writing his adventure down or like his, his danger, his writing the story and daydreaming of chasing the red Baron and, uh, uh, what's his girlfriend's name? Fifi. Fifi. Yeah, the 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 yeah the poodle uh, beagle dog. Uh, I'm just going with female beagle. Yeah, but she's got fluff, like really fluffy. It's a poodle cut. It's a poodle cut, but on a beagle. <laughs> Beagles are short haired dogs. It's a wig. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, either way, yeah, I'd just be like all. Uh, Maybe she's just extra fluffy around the ears. I guess I don't know. <laughs> She could be a half breed. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with a half breed. Exactly. <laughs> but either way, um, yeah, we, just all, we like all, mutts. Yeah, exactly. I'm a mutt. <laughs> uh, well, we're all kind of theologically, yes, we're all yes, mutts. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> we're all kind of blended we all together. All have one relation if you go back far enough. Yes, one the same relation. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, a guy who decided to build a boat. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> all right. So on that regard. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's just Snoopy. You, I mean, like anything that dog does is like, okay, now I'm interested in what this dog is going to do. If I don't care if it's him just like him falling off of his dog house is hysterical. Anything yes. this dog does is hysterical. So yeah, Snoopy and okay. like, ev- like everything be like, even the fact like Woodstock, we know that's Woodstock. Yes. Even though we never hear the name, his name in the movie. I know it's Woodstock. I'll be honest, I don't think I've ever heard anyone in the Charlie Brown Me either. comic strip or special ever say the name Woodstock. And yet we know it's Woodstock. Yeah. Well, oddly enough, like growing up, because I was like, okay, it's Snoopy and this little yellow bird. And I could be like, oh, it's Woodstock. And be I like, are, 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 are you talking about the, the... I actually take it back because Snoopy in Your Good Man, Charlie Brown, that musical, mm-hmm. Snoopy actually speaks. 
The dog speaks. Yes. Okay. It's obviously done in such a way where like, the audience can understand him, but nobody else can. Oh, okay. And I but would not be surprised if at some point he says Woodstock's name there. Mm. Okay. All right. Or at least the version of the movie I saw, of the, game, of the television show I saw. All right. Play, musical, whatever. <laughs> okay. My number three. Charlie Brown finally, finally gets a happy ending. All right. Not something that happens. Yeah. In Charlie Brown movie. Now I know what you're saying. Doesn't all the all the movies somewhat all the specials somewhat end more of a, on a happier note. Right. Yes, but it's almost in spite of what happened to Charlie Brown. Right. This is an actual happy ending. He the entire climax of this film. He, yeah, it's been leading up to oh he can't impress the little red red haired girl because he has to do all these other things. Mm-hmm. And it seems like it's going downhill. But from the very second, the little red-haired girl says, I'll be Charlie Brown's pen pal. Yeah. We're in happy ending territory. This is the best thing that's ever happened to Charlie Brown, especially considering uh, the little red-haired girl's role in the comics as an example of unrequited love for Charlie Mm. Brown. Yeah. That's 90% of the troubles he has when it comes to love is his crush that he's had for almost the entire comics run on... The little red-haired girl. And yes, that is all she's ever called in the comic strip. Yeah. Because Charlie Brown is so nervous, he doesn't even know her name. Yeah. And he's never seen her face. Hmm. Which is why, in the comic strip, we never saw her face. Really? She's only... Her face is only shown in a couple specials, which were all considered non-canon by Charlie... Really? ...when they were made. And more on my feelings about her face... <laughs> which sounds horrible but more of my things about her face when we get to dislikes right so yeah i like that charlie brown finally gets a happy ending which would normally bring us to our dislikes mm-hmm. but for a change ahead of time okay we actually had people tell us what they thought of the yes movie. they did actually People, do this more often. We want to bring you onto the show. Yeah, thank you. Much and appreciated. And we finally had somebody. <laughs> Admittedly, it was almost like ask begging <laughs> to get it, but I well, got it. Well, we, we've had people in the past, like, randomly, like, oh, I really enjoyed this film. Right. After the uh, review has started. That is true. Please, if you, we tell you what the next movie is, comment in the Facebook page. Go on our Discord. <laughs> tell us what you think of the movie. Yeah. Anyway, where did it go? Yes. Uh, our good friend Wendy, who was on the retreat with us, says, I thought it was cute. I like the references, some direct quotes, from the classic Charlie Brown movies. The animation was good. I miss the old school animation, but I understand this was updated for the younger folks. Still a good movie for us older ones, too. Nice ending. And uh, Colleen says, we actually had someone else do this right before we started. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed watching it. Haven't seen a Peanuts movie in years. The graphics are so much better now than they used to be. It's good. I don't know about better. <laughs> but that's just opinion. Right. I still somewhat prefer the old 2D art style. But yeah. anyway, so that brings us to dislikes. Yes. My good friend, your first dislike. Okay. If any. All right. Of the Peanuts movie. All right. So my first is like, well, there again, it's a nitpick. And there again, this movie, you go to this film and the directors and producers, whatever, expect you to know character in all fairness every peanut special has assumed the same exactly so in my regard that my exposure to peanuts charlie brown snoopy is all through the specials 
Mm-hmm. So be like, yeah, I know Charlie Brown. And MetLife commercials. And yes, MetLife. I forgot right. about the MetLife commercials there are, until just now. Yeah, there are MetLife commercials. So it'd be like, yeah, it's knowing just like a little bit of the cast, like Lucy, um, and like several of the characters be like, you, you get to know, but like everybody else is like, who in the world is this? Be like peppermint patty. It's like, who the, what is this? Who's the other patty? <laughs> like all these characters. I never like, knew there was another patty until I was looking through the comments. Yeah. Or the, the thing to find out. Oh, there's another character named Patty, which by the way, that Patty was the one who really wanted to dance with Pigpen. Didn't know who he was after he finally got a walk. Oh, that was hysterical. That was Patty. That, that was, oh, that was Patty. Okay. Regular Patty, not Peppermint Patty. Not Peppermint Patty. But I, I was so lost in like all who these characters were and being well, someone who had never, never. It's because unlike all the other Peanuts specials and comic strips. Yes. They focused on everybody. They made sure the entire class was full. That is So they brought in every character who ever existed. That is true. My point being is I did not read the comics. Fair enough. So all of these characters they're referencing, it's like, okay, who is this character? And what is this referencing to? Or what? I'd be like, it's funny. I don't get the reference because I don't have the context. So there, there was a lot of like, like we said, like I said in the beginning, if you, I'm, I'm pro- it's that they are referencing from the comic strip and most of the specials didn't elaborate who all these characters are. Neither of this is film. So if you're not familiar with the peanuts comic strip and the in-depth lore of peanuts, you are going to be lost as a goose. All these characters are in-depth. think that phrase existed before. <laughs> I hate to tell you this, but they don't expect you to actually know who all these people are. They give you what you need to know when the character shows up. That's how it was done. In the I know, but it's just, it was just driving They don't me. expect you to have read all 50 or some odd years of Peanuts. I'm, I'm aware of this. all the comic specials. If you know the characters, yes, there is nice cameos and yes. callbacks. They're not required knowledge. Okay. It's just like... In reality, it, all you the only thing you might want before this is to have seen a previous Christmas special. Yeah. See Charlie Brown Christmas. Yeah. We might review this year. Yeah, we might. So I think it was just like you had so many here let me let me back it up. You know so, I have to defend. Oh yeah, you're gonna defend it. So there are so many characters in this movie. Mm-hmm. There are so many characters in this movie that trying to keep track of who's who. And it's like, okay, this character, this character, who's this character again? What's going on? And like you like you have such a large roster of characters that it's hard to keep track of who's who i would say in defend reality that <laughs> i will defend it i will defend it that my defense says there are about seven characters you actually need to know about agreed charlie brown mm-hmm. snoopy the two easy ones <laughs> lucy See. schroeder mm-hmm. Pigpin, linus and sally okay of the regular cast not counting the little red-haired girl mm-hmm who is generally given her own introduction. Yeah. So you, she does, you don't need to know comic book, comic strip history. To right. Her, and maybe one or two others is nice. Yeah. But for the most part, you don't need to know why Linus talked about the great pumpkin yeah. or why Sally calls Linus her sweet baboo. Right. But, or is that the, Lucy calling Schroeder sweet baboo? I get him confused. Okay. Yeah. Because I did not, I've read the comic strips when I was young. Yeah. It's been years. I've read bits and pieces from different parts of the comics history over yeah. the, to, for my own intellectual curiosity, but I've not read all 50 years worth of comics. Yeah. Human being and have, t- 
don't have that kind of time. <laughs> Understand. So, but just, you don't. As long as you have seen the, I, I would say the general. Yeah. Uh, have, have, specials have the, gen- have the general the core of the characters. Have, have the yeah. General core characters. Yeah. As long and they introduce pretty much, they give each of them their own small introduction. Yeah. As much introduction as they would have given, been given anything else. Right. Those main characters, they hit you. They t- which tells you exactly what you need to know. And any other character is there for cameo purposes and to fill out the ca- the cast of that classroom. I agree. That is the entire reason because half those characters I don't even recognize. Yeah. I had to look up who which who the Patty was and I found out, oh, she's the one who danced with Pigpen. Okay, then. Yeah. Who's Pigpen? He's the dirty one. Yeah. That's how he's always been known. Yeah, Pigpen. So, Though I love the joke when the sprinklers go oh, off. Oh, that was hilarious. Washes his dirty way. She goes, who are you? <laughs> Do I know you? <laughs> but either way, the, my, my point would be is that you have this vast cast of characters that you simply don't get to know. And I just think you don't get to know them because it's by design, but it's annoying that you don't at least get like a moment to understand who they are as a character. The next thing you're going to be complaining that all the adults are voiced by trombone. That is a good point. What language is that? Trombone? I'm being facetious when I, I know, say that. I'm aware of this. I'm aware of this. Can, but, I, get, can I get to a better dislike? Okay. Okay, fine. Because this is actually a story dislike. Okay. Something I think they screwed up with. Because here's the thing. As I said earlier, the little red-haired girl's face is never shown in the comic strip. Yeah. Charles Schultz never drew her face. Okay. I'm not saying they should never have shown her face in the movie. Right. Because I think the reveal of her face in the end when Charlie Brown finally gets his happy ending Mm -hmm. is the perfect time for him to see her... Face to face. Face to face. Mm-hmm. That's when he would, that's when his memory of her would truly set in when she is loving him. Yeah. In much the same way that he has loved her this whole, where my problem is, is that they her face many times throughout the movie. <laughs> and it annoys the ever living crap out of me for two reasons. Okay. One, comic lore. <laughs> and two, it didn't need to be seen. And it would have been a much stronger reveal at the end. If we, they went to the trouble of making sure the camera never spotted her face. I would agree with they, that. Because it would not have been hard. I mean, but it's in her first appearance, you see her face, admittedly, diffused by the glass. Mm-hmm. But you're still, I remember seeing that, sitting in the theater, you go, oh, the little red-haired girl. Okay. And of course, we don't see her and they're moving into the house. Like, okay, it's fine. But we see her walk past the, the classroom door and I was like, you showed her face! <laughs> wasn't clear you showed her face you do not show the little red-haired girl's face until absolutely necessary that you could have done it in such a way to where you didn't show her face in any way shape or form charles schultz did it for 50 years it could have been done and i know this sounds stupid but it could have been done. I know. Done to perfection, and it would have been made that those that shot when we finally see her face that much stronger. Because that's obviously what they're going for. Yes. Because even when they have to show her face throughout the film, yes, it is there is blockage. There is uh, we never get to see any emotion on her face. Yeah. There's always something somewhat blocking it, but you can see it. Yes. You can. They drew the animated eyes and mouth moving. They did that, and I'm sitting there going, don't show her face! 
shoo her from the back of the head like she was always drawn in the comics. Put a mask on her head. Do something. Except this isn't Halloween, so you can't do that. But do something. Have Charlie Brown run into her carrying a stack of books. Maybe even War and Peace, now that she's probably got to rewrite the book report. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, one one thing I'm not I'm not laughing you. I'm just I laughing cuz it's just like you're 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 uh how would I say this? Frustration? It's frustration. <laughs> it's That's frustration. what it is. I did not show this. You'll note the night we watched this movie. Okay. I didn't show it because it's like I was because I was already at peace with it. Okay. This is the first time I've gotten to talk about it in the forum with people who might understand what I'm talking about. Okay. Okay. They should not have shown the little red-haired girl's face. Okay. Until the last scene in the movie. I would agree with There's you on that. There's a reason her name is always is credited as the little red-haired girl and not what I say her name was earlier, uh Donna Moat or something like that. Something like that. It was Moat. It wasn't Moat, it was Mober or something. Something like that. It's not far up here. Uh now I can't find it now that I want to see. <laughs> There again, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing I at your. I'm not. laughing at your frustration. But you ha- you understand my frustration. <laughs> yes, here, I right? do. It, part of it. Okay, yeah, it was with, with, without understanding Heather the whole Walt. Con- Heather, Heather Walt. You because un- the the thing is, there's a part of me, a very small part, yes. that's annoyed as a, someone who read the comic strip and know knew that Charles Schultz's intention was to never show her face. Yeah, there's that part of me that is annoyed. But that's the smaller part in comparison to the fact that they ruined what could have been the best part of this whole movie, which was the reveal of her talking to Charlie Brown and telling about all these things she saw and mm-hmm. loves about him. Yeah. And at that point, you could have Charlie Brown look up and finally see her, not her red hair. Yeah. Agreed. They didn't do that. Yeah. Because they went ahead and let us see her. Yeah. It's, I know it sounds stupid. But it does. That this is how I feel. They could. They should have. If Charles Schultz could do it for fifty or however long he did the strip, mm-hmm. I think it was. Then so could Blue Sky Studio. Agreed. Because a lot more of them worked on the film than Schultz did. Anyway, what's your number two dislike? My number two dislike. And there again, this is kind of a story nitpick. And no, it's not about knowing all the characters' names. It is. How did Schroeder get an entire grand piano in that small little? <laughs> that would be interesting to know. But no, uh, mine is now. Kirk me if I'm wrong. There is no resolution to the book report plot other than they failed. Yeah, but that's implied. Maybe I missed that part. I don't think it's one of those things where I don't think it's important because once the book report got destroyed, yeah, for the most part, everything after that would have been just formality. Yeah, it's like yeah, the book report got destroyed. There's no way he could rewrite the entire book report and assume it's less than an hour. Yeah. And he had nothing to turn in, so they both would have gotten a zero. Yeah. It's almost, it's an implied resolution, but yeah, you I, don't actually I agree. give the resolution. It was more, I think the heartbreak there was not that they got the zero, it's that he had to tell the, the little, little red girl, girl. Yeah. He caused the little red hair girl to fail an assignment. Yeah. So I'd like I to think the teacher was a little nicer than that would allow her to her time to redo her. I would, I would, I would. Especially at that age. Yeah. From my, from my point of view, my perspective is if they could have done something more that it was implied that they were allowed to redo it because everybody was seen what happened or at least her. Yeah. At least a little redder girl that would still require everyone to come to Charlie Brown's defense, which they're not likely to do. That is true. Except this is, Oh, this is before they, they realize he's a, they think he's a genius. Yes. This is before that point. So never mind. They've already taken the test and he's already, 
got written his name on the wrong yeah, paper. Yeah, that, that would have made that would have made sense. Oh yeah, Charlie Brown did this. It'd be like it would have made perfect sense at that yeah. point, but they never do. It's just they like just that's just, they moved on. It, it was, but it was more detrimental that he lost the in front of the little red haired girl. Yeah, agreed. Then actually getting the zero. That's my only reason I can think of as to why they ended it there. Yeah, agreed. And not in the classroom. Yeah. And plus, I can see how having the extra scene in the classroom would have caused the pacing issue. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why. I don't know. But you would have preferred it if we actually found out they failed. Yes. Like if they would have failed or. There again, what grade this would have been? Like fourth? It's never said. Yeah, they're just, they're, they're they're little kids, but it's. I assume it's about fourth grade, all things considered. Yeah, because they're obviously not kindergarten, but they're. I mean, this is about the age Ralphie is in a Christmas story. Okay, so he's like 11, 12 years old. Yeah, but I could see Charlie Brown being about that age. Oh, okay. Old enough to play baseball outside and not no one worry, not have to get the ticket or whatever. That is true. And have a little sister who's also in grade school. Yeah, true. Obviously, that's not how they show it here, because they show them all being the same age for some reason. Yeah. But either way. You live and learn. Yeah, you live and learn. And you don't get loves. Hush. <laughs> okay, moving on. <laughs> yeah, so that this is like my little complaint. We really don't get a solid resolution to that. We, we get it almost like a passing, but mm-hmm. it's just more like... It's implied. It's implied, but it's more, can we get a little bit more of that? Because that was such a, like like really big plot that Charlie has to finish his book, which the fact that he finished it in two days and a book that's normally read within 10 days, that's incredible. Mm-hmm. Or, or it's a little in too impossible for a kid that age, but you never know. But it was just like, okay, can we get like a solid resolution? Not just be like, Oh, it's implied, but like a solid resolution at this point. That's all I ask. Wait a minute. This is after they think he's a genius. Yes, they do. They, the kids ask him what uh, they should read, do for their, their book report. Exactly. And, uh, the same day that he has to turn this in is when he has his uh, assembly for to celebrate his perfect score for we'll just to have to give it back to Peppermint Patty, which, mm-hmm. yeah, she's not a genius. Uh, also, what kind of Scantron test can you draw a smiley face with and get a perfect score? Yeah. That's not a dislike on my part, but it's like, that would have been nice. All right. My second dislike? Yes. Why was it winter from this movie? I don't know. It's fun, it's fun to be a kid and it snows. Don't get me wrong. I understand the whole snow day thing at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Good start. Uh, I'm assuming this is supposedly set, I think, Peanuts is supposedly set in California somewhere. Yes. But a part of California where it traditionally snows. So not LA, must be must be around the San Francisco area. Yeah. I'm guessing, which makes sense because that's where Charles Schultz was. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still thinking it's only going to snow in January and February. Right. They could have spread this out to where the whole... It seems like the the first two-thirds or three quarters of this movie take place within the same three weeks. Yeah, agreed. They could have spread it out a little bit better. It would have made sense. And they could have had more uh, spring months or have more of a thaw hit the grass. And I think I would have preferred it a little better. Agreed. Than what we get. Because we get three weeks, one assumes before spring break, and then the last day of school. And there's a mighty big time jump in there that a lot of other... Things could have happened. Agreed. I just don't understand. It's not that I don't like, it's not that I hate winter. Mm-hmm. Although after Snowmageddon, I think I would be justified in such a hate. But it's just that I, because they chose the white background, or the, the snowy background, I feel like we get a very gray movie. Yeah. Which if you're going for the black and white comic feel, that would have been your Monday through Saturday. Mm-hmm. Kind of understand. 
And maybe that's the thought process with the last one being the Sunday strip. Because mm-hmm. it's in full color in a way. Yeah. But in my way of thinking, I'm I'm thinking I, I read more of the, the peanut strips when they were in color because I most Yeah. So to me I would have liked more color throughout okay. the, the the movie. It's not that there's not color. Don't get me wrong, it's not a black and white film, but it's a very monochromatic look for this that I kind of wish had more variety in it. That's just just me. I would have preferred more of a spring-looking movie than a winter-looking Okay. Totally understand. Maybe they thought that that that's why Frozen did so good and they matched the snow. I don't know. That's probably not it. Just let it go. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Uh, I do not have a third. I do have a third. Okay. The use of pop music throughout this film. Okay. I don't like the pop music in this film, mostly because I don't like general pop music. Okay. Especially modern pop music. But I hate it when that kind of stuff feels like it's shoehorned into the movie. Now, for the most part, the shoehorning does take place in the dance scene. Yes. So fair. That makes sense that they would go there. Fair enough. But for the most part, it just seemed like every time they did, like the montage had a modern pop music. And I just don't feel like the modern pops match the animation. Okay. Or the feel of the animation. I know that sounds weird. Yeah. That's just how I feel. But yeah, that's my third dislike. All right. Which brings us to the end of this episode. What are you rating? Uh, I'm rating it eight, a 8.5. Okay. I enjoyed it tremendously. There again, my nitpicks are nitpicks. And sometimes it's more like, who is this character? Why wasn't this song like fully? But other than that, I enjoyed it. The nostalgia trip was just amazing. Uh, definitely for someone who has only experience with the specials and having a limited understanding of like most of what goes on in the world of peanuts are, um, I thoroughly, there again, thoroughly enjoyed it. I love this. It was great. It was a great little film to watch. Definitely with friends. And, uh, yeah, it was fun. It was enjoyable. And I wholeheartedly give it an 8.9, 8.5. That's what I'm going to say. We, I tried to do a, a different decimal you got me on. <laughs> so I'm not going to let you get away with it. All right. Fine, I'm also then. giving this an 8.5. Okay. Uh, the animation is spot on. Agreed. My, the primary thing I am knocking it down for, because I do feel this is a film mistake, is the fat, is the little red haired girl. Okay. I do think showing her face as early as they do, even though technically it's not fully revealed until the end, I guess they should not have revealed it at all until after the last shot. And I'm yeah. still, that's going to be the thing that's going to knock the score for me for this the most down to 8.5. Okay. okay. Because it could have been like a perf, it could have been a 9, 9.5 of thing. Okay. But that's just my opinion there. Uh, so yeah, that's 8.5 is what I'm going to oh, give it. All right. Which brings us to the end of another episode. Yes. Which means I need to tell y'all what episode we're watching, what movie we're watching next. Something with Muppets. Muppets next? No. Puppets, actually. It's related to Muppets. Yes. Next week, we're reviewing The Dark Crystal. Mm-hmm. So join us for that. In the meantime, this has been Drew. This is Jacob. And we will catch you in the next frame. Come, Jacob. We must prepare for next week. Prepare for what, Drew? Same thing we do every week, Jacob. Record a podcast! Oh, boy! So where can they find you, Jacob? You can find me on Facebook at Jacob B. Heron. Also on Facebook at Jacob's Daily Art Corner, where I try to draw each and every day. I don't get to it as often as I like, but uh, join me there. Also, you can find me on Instagram at Jacob B. Heron. On Twitter at Jacob Heron. And Letterboxd at Jacob Heron. So where can they find you, Drew? 
You can also follow me on Letterboxd at GGeorge759, Facebook as Drew Dodgen, uh, my Facebook page where you can see pictures I've taken at Drew's Photo Bin. You can also follow me on Twitter at GGeorge759. You can email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at cast underscore cell. You can follow us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash thecellcastgaming. You can also follow us on YouTube at Cellcast. Listen to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and your favorite podcast directory. You can also listen to us on the Movie of the Week podcast with Jim Heron, where we talk about live-action movies. And remember, Cell is a single single L. L. Good grief.